welcome to this conference, Carers Caring About Equality. Uh, today, what our aim is, is to explain the main elements of the bill uh, and how they affect carers and to help health and social care professionals to make the links uh, between equality, performance of services and outcomes and to look at the impact of the provisions that the bill will actually have on practice. But more importantly, to think through what this bill means and how it can really advantage the people um, who rely on you uh, and who actually need all the provisions in this bill uh, and some that aren't in the bill uh, to actually live their lives and to support uh, the people that they're supporting in the way that they would want to. Um, and there's been a lot of emphasis on those bits of the bill that are specifically about carers, but I emphasise all the provisions in this bill. And we hope at the end of the day you'll be fully equipped to go back to your services or your authorities or your NHS trusts or your voluntary organisations or your carers, wherever you have come from, well equipped uh, to know what this bill, when it becomes law, means. Our first speaker is Luke Clements, who is very well known uh, to Carers UK. Um, and he's going to take us through the history of carers and equalities and some issues arising out of this bill. You've got his bio, but he's, um, he's from Cardiff Law School and he does all those sorts of important academic things. <laughs> but the good thing about Luke is he's a real guy who understands what this agenda is. Luke. Thank you very much, Denise. Um, it's, a, it's a great pleasure to be asked here, um, uh, and uh, thanks very much to Kira's UK. I mean, Kira's UK is, is a fab organisation, and uh, I'm ever short of money, and so I'm really glad that you've all turned out, if only to support it. Um, I've been asked to uh, kick off by talking about history, and of course I can't restrict myself to history without standing on the edge and looking forward as well, which I will at the end. Uh, in your pack, you've got a, uh, a booklet, Caring About Equality. I think you've got two, but one is, I've uh, got a brief article. It's attributed to me at the beginning, but in fact, if it hadn't been for the relentless um, pressure from John Bangs, the real hero, uh, 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 and uh, the sort of genius of Emily Holtzons and um, it would never have got written. But that's largely sort of sketching out what I'm going to say. Um, but before I do say that, I have to cry doom. Um, I have to give you a warning, a caveat. Um, we're looking at the Equality Bill. The Equality Bill, yeah, it's very interesting. And, and to a degree, the government, I hate doing this, deserves some credit. But uh, there are some warnings that I'd like to, to talk about before I start quickly running through that. And that's the difference between equality and non-discrimination legislation. The Equality Bill is, a, is called the Equality Bill, but it's fact a non-discrimination bill. It's about stopping people doing certain things which are unfair to other people. Equality is something completely different. Equality of opportunity, creating a society that's fair, where people are not... Um, put at a disadvantage because they find themselves in a certain situation requires uh, something radically different to, to uh, non-discrimination legislation. Although non-discrimination legislation is important, equality of opportunity is multi-stranded. 
it doesn't just depend on a law that says you can't discriminate against, well, we don't even have a law that says you can't discriminate against carers. Um, and uh, there's a very interesting article which we quote in this, um, which is by um, uh, Beganostos, uh, an American academic, uh, who, who has analysed the legislation in the US, looking at disabled people, not carers, um, and, and the Americans with Disabilities Act has been in force now. Um, well, we've had legislation in the States for nearly 40 years on this subject. And his analysis is that non-discrimination legislation um, alone doesn't actually uh, make an enormous difference to the disadvantaged situation of disabled people. That what you do need is a sort of, uh, I hate to use the phrase, but it has come up, systems change. You need the government to do things across the board with taxation with proper benefits. Um, we don't seem to, 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 to be in favour of benefits anymore, um, universal benefits, and particularly pensions and things like that. You have to do it root and branch. So um, that said, uh, what I was quickly going to do is to trot through the legislation that we have had. Um, and there is uh, also in the uh, piece, I refer to some work done by uh, Julia Twigg and, and Atkin on, uh, which was incredibly for, had tremendous foresight in 1994, looking at the different ways you can view carers. <clears throat> and they came up with four ways you can view carers, and these are quite well known. But they, 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 they do, in a way, chart the development. And, of course, they wrote this before we had any proper carers legislation. Um, of the way that you can view carers. And they said that the most basic way you could view carers was really just as a resource you valued, um, not for any other reason that they provided care. Um, and and, and we, 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 we existed that, I think, until um, fairly recently. And, and that's personified in the, um, the, the first act that ever mentioned carers, which is the... Disabled Persons Act in 1986 that said effectively that when you were assessing a disabled person, you should have a look at the carer to see if uh, the carer was able to continue to provide care. So you, you looked at them, um, you, you took them into account, you actually acknowledged their existence, but you didn't really do any more than that. The second way that Tuganate can talk about uh, visualising carers is to see them um, as a co-worker, uh, that you address uh, their needs because you want them to carry on doing what they're doing. And I often call that the sort of pit pony situation, where you value the pit pony because if it didn't live, it wouldn't be able to drive the coal out of the mine. So you keep them um, in good fettle because of what they do, not because of what they are. Uh, uh, they are objects, effectively, that you need to, to sustain. And... I'm an enormous fan of the 1995 um, Recognition and Services Act, and I think that what it did was absolutely pivotal. But to a degree, it does look at sustaining um, the caring role. Uh, it, 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 uh, it does a bit more than that. It's, it's more than that. But, it, but basically, carers are given a separate assessment to assess whether their caring role is sustainable. The third way... Uh, Twig and Atkin uh, look at this is that the carer is a co-client and, and, and I think hopefully we were getting there because as we know that, that, that if a person is disabled 
um, they are socially excluded. But disablement doesn't just, I mean, an impairment, a mental impairment, a physical impairment, doesn't disable just the disabled person. It handicaps the carer as well. That an impairment uh, does have sometimes even a greater impairment, uh, handicapping of the carer. You have very many very successful disabled people, you know, and sometimes I think that their success is to a degree built on the bones of crushed carers. You know, you can have it both ways. That, that the way society sort of socially excludes uh, disability not only impacts on the person that has that disability, but the people around that person. And therefore, if we have a sort of dynamic social work system, we should be addressing people who suffer social exclusion. The fact that you're a disabled person doesn't entitle you to support because you may be very successful. The fact that you're socially excluded should, and that, that affects, as we know, a very large number of carers. They are some of the most socially excluded people in this country, and as all the research shows, they, the government's social exclusion policies have, uh, lacked, uh, ha- have been ineffective against that group. It's the, that and uh, people with severe impairments have been the two groups that its policies have been least successful with. Um, and I think that we can say that the Carers and Disabled Children Act did address that group. Uh, this is the Lord Pendry, Tom Pendry's bill, because it gave a freestanding right to an assessment. So carers could be assessed in their own right, even if the disabled person wasn't engaged. And of course, it brought in rights of services to carers. Carers could get services quite independently of the disabled person. So we, we, we begin to see the focus moving towards seeing carers as people that we want to get out of social exclusion. We want to, them to have a life and the same life opportunities as everybody else. Uh, and their final stage is what we would call the superseded carer model, where you, deal, you get away with having to have unpaid carers. Um, where the the, the system liberates uh, disabled people to such a degree that they don't have to rely on those networks. And we're not there. And there may be a quite interesting debate about whether we want to get there. I think we do want to get there because the struggle, as we say in this paper, of carers and disabled people for their rights that has happened over the last 20 years, 30 years, they, they, they don't mirror each, each other, although there are very many similarities. They are inextricably linked because carers can really never have true equality until disabled people have high-quality, decent services without question. Um, only then, when disabled people have those good-quality services, could the carer then uh, uh, be able to get back and, and have a life like everybody else. So uh, I think the Carers um, Equal Opportunities Act, another act promoted um, vigorously by Carers UK, comes close to that uh, because it it, it does require uh, whenever somebody is being assessed to look at whether the carer works or wishes to work with, whether they wish to go under education training or leisure activities. It is looking to get them into mainstream education, employment, leisure, um, out of the sort of socially excluding situation that many of them experience. So that's, I think, quite positive. That's all pretty well done 
by pressure groups. It's really not come from government. Uh, and we have got to a situation where there is an increasing acceptance that carers are people that need to be seen as entitled to support in their own right, not, not parasitically on a disabled person. When Carers UK first put forward the Carers Opportunities Bill in 2003, before it was sort of put through the sort of mincing machine of Parliament, it had a clause that, that was going to amend the Disability Discrimination Act to say that it was unlawful to discriminate against disabled people on grounds of disability, but in fact it should be unlawful to discriminate anybody against anybody on grounds of disability. Under the Race Relations Act, on many of the discrimination acts, they say it's unlawful to discriminate against a person on grounds of disability. So if I am a black, I mean, if I'm white, well, I am white, and, and I go and play football with my black mates, and I'm, uh, I suffer at work, I'm sacked at work, I can claim race discrimination not because of my race, but because of my association with race. That was the reason I was sacked. Most legislation has that in discrimination, but of course the Disability Discrimination Act doesn't have that. It says that you can only claim if you're a disabled person and you suffer because of your disability. So we tried to amend the legislation to say it's unlawful to discriminate against anybody on grounds of disability, which would have got in carers by what we call association. And the government said no to that. Um, uh, it did, to its credit, and there I go again, um, I must stop giving governments credit, um, bring in the Work and Families Act shortly afterwards, which did go some way towards that, because the Work and Families Act gives flexible working to carers. Um, and that, in a way, requires employers to make adjustments, reasonable adjustments, which is very much the model of the disability discrimination legislation, that if you're a disabled person, your employer should make reasonable adjustments. And so the Work and Families Act is, I think, quite an important non-discrimination piece of legislation. Uh, and it does give quite significant rights, although they're procedural rights. I think they are of some substance. And then, of course, we had um, quite unexpectedly Sharon Coleman's uh, win in, in, in the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg, where, in her case, it was established that this directive that many of us hadn't really paid a great deal of attention to, which is the non-discrimination directive, um, did actually have the wording that we had sought with the Equal Opportunities Bill. The, 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 the Equality Directive says that uh, nobody can be discriminated against on one of the six prohibited grounds, which are age, religion, sexual orientation, race, sex, and disability. Nobody can be uh, discriminated on any of those grounds. And, of course, Sharon Coleman, although she's not a disabled person, was, she claims, sacked because of time she took off for her disabled son. So she said she was sacked because of disability and uh, the European Court of Justice said that's right. So that was a great win. The, 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 the difficulty with the equal, equal Treatment Directive is that it only applies to employment. Uh, now, to this government's credit, uh, in the Equality Bill, it is proposing to extend that to cover um, not just uh, discrimination by association in relation to employment, but it is going to go across the whole piece to cover in relation to social care and to health care housing, um, which we deal with, which is to its credit. There is a, um, 
a directive before uh, the European Union at the moment um, to widen the existing directive to cover all those areas, but it would require unanimity to get through, and it's very unlikely indeed that it, that would happen. So here we see an implementation uh, by Europe that has an effect in this country, and then the government going beyond uh, what is strictly required by the legislation. I think one of the most interesting things about the, um, the bill, this, the bill for the first time brings in indirect discrimination on grounds of disability. We didn't have that with the Disability Discrimination Act. The Disability Discrimination Act doesn't use, doesn't allow for indirect discrimination. Indirect discrimination, as you know, is not where I say you can't come in here because you're blind. I say you can't, you can come in here, but we don't take dogs. Uh, now that policy has, is neutral, because it's not, doesn't label people on grounds of sex or race or whatever, but it has a disparate impact on one group, blind people, because they have uh, guide dogs. At the moment, curiously, under UK law, that isn't unlawful. It, it, the, the, it's unlawful for another reason, that the, the, the shops should make reasonable adjustments, uh, which is the, the, but that's a slightly different argument legally. It's my, I mean, discrimination law starts to make your brain twist. But those are different arguments, the reasonable adjustment and indirect discrimination. Now, the indirect discrimination legislation may have a very dramatic effect on carers uh, because many policies that indirectly um, impact on carers could have an impact on disabled people. One of the examples we give is... Uh, uh, a doctor's surgery that has very restricted uh, appointments times. Carers have commitments that actually don't allow them to fit into those very restricted times. So the carer doesn't get health care. Well, that's not direct discrimination. That is indirect discrimination against carers, but that's not banned under the legislation. The legislation bans indirect discrimination against disabled people. But, of course, if a carer suffers ill health, that will have an impact on disabled people. Anything, in a way, that has an impact on carers will have an impact on disabled people. So it's a very difficult, but it's potentially an enormously important provision that has really gone under the radar so far. Um, the, the, the Equality Bill has a socio-economic impact obligation that in formulating major policies, health bodies, social services and uh, others, should have... Uh, an eye to whether this has a disparate impact on um, poor people. Uh, poor people are a very interesting category because, of course, a lot of carers are in that group because caring has a very significant impact on your income. As you'll realise that none of you are old enough to remember this, but when I was a young lad, the only thing that you weren't allowed to... When I was a young lad, there was no discrimination legislation in this country at all. In the 60s, we started saying you can't do race and we said you can't do sex discrimination. So that was it. There were two grounds. We waited till the 90s, then we had the third ground, disability. In the year 2002, when the directive came in, we had, a, we had three others, age, religion, and sexual orientation. Does that mean that the six now, is that it? Well, no, it's not it. Of course it's not it. There are lots of other people that will have to be added to these categories. At the moment, the one is carers. Carers are, are still on the edges. They're still not being named 
as I will say, they're not rights holders. And that is the unfinished business. Kiras are still only get it vicariously. The next big group are going to be poor people. You know, the whole basis of British civilization is based on discrimination against poor people, as far as I can see. Um, and this socioeconomic impact issue is going to be very interesting uh, because they are a category, uh, just like people who, who belong to religions, um, who, 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 who can suffer from this. We need to have legislation that deals with... Uh, just saying it's just unacceptable to unreasonably discriminate against carers and not play this silly game of having to show that it has a disparate impact on somebody else who is, by implication, deemed more worthy of support. Um, the government often say, well, yes, but disabled people don't ask to be disabled people. It's not a choice issue. You don't ask to be black. You don't ask to be a woman. Uh, and therefore that is materially different. Well, I don't think, um, uh, as I say, we'll hear, the impacts are the same. Being a carer has all those negative impacts on social exclusion, poverty and ill health. But, of course, people, I don't think, do choose to be carers. But even if they did, even if that was a good argument, uh, we, we now have the right not to be discriminated on grounds of religion, or belief, and you might weigh, well, people do choose their religion, or if they don't choose their religion, if it is thrust upon them, it's, it's no, no materially different to, to carers. So that is the, the unfinished business as I see it, and that is my 20 minutes. Thank you very much, Luke. <laughs>